This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. This is a, another one which I love at this time of year, and this is um, the one that's always wonderful to pronounce, Sarkococca. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember which one this is, but it's got very thin, um, strappy sort of foliage. I've got another one in the garden which has got more box-like foliage. Um, but I don't, I mean, there are buds on it, but no, no fragrance yet. But it is, it is so fragrant in a winter garden. That's my reason for having it. And it's in a place where I brush past it when it's in flower. They're wonderful, aren't they? And uh, and you're right. In terms of in a small garden, that is one good thing. You do have more opportunity to get up close and personal <laughs> with yes. some of these scented plants and put them in places. It's like um, I've said before that I put scented daffodils normally. I might not this year, but either side of the front door. So when I reach out to get the milk bottle uh, <laughs> at that time of year, I get the... <laughs> Get the waft of some lovely, yeah. <laughs> well, this one, it, why I say I definitely um, brush past it is because it it does tend to go over the path quite a lot. So <laughs> that's it makes sure that I do brush past <laughs> it. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you have a smaller garden. It must do because, you know, having had a bigger garden, you must want to grow so many plants and oh, it's just exactly. impossible not to, I mean, not to come slightly over the path at least and it's not so bad when it, when it's your own garden and you you I mean you can do exactly what you like but sometimes you know if you open your garden to the public like we do we have to be probably a little bit more careful with overhanging plants exactly trip yeah. hazards and things like that you know definitely health and safety <laughs> raises its head if <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you can't have um people falling into the borders <laughs> no no <laughs> we always had this in my my mum's garden that um we had a rose that my dad had built this sort of fence halfway across the garden to divide it and we had this rose growing up that got wonderfully gnarled but it got accidentally left to sort of grow a bit low and it became a great big sort of trunk of rose <laughs> oh, and wow. so we would all just duck underneath it but then anyone would come to the garden and suddenly they'd be following behind you clonk oh yeah <laughs> sorry forgot <laughs> forgot to tell you about the miss the misplaced rose. <laughs> you know, I remember years and years ago, I used to help a lady called Mrs. Logan in her garden. She was frightfully posh, and she always had scarlet nail varnish. I remember, um, and smoked like a trooper. <laughs> <laughs> but she had roses, and they had such thick stems at the base; they were like trees. Yes. And, and you know, if you go to an old rose garden, you actually see ro- they have so much character when they get like that. Yes, they're like an, a, an old Nile pelagonium in a pot, which yeah. some people would look at and say, "Gosh, that's an ugly old thing." But yeah. I love it. I just think it's character. Definitely. Um, and you go into some of these old. Um, there's a place near me um, where I think they've got plants like that that have been in the family that mm. get nurtured by successive generations, and yeah. they're yeah. just wonderful, as you say, some character. Yeah. Well, I couldn't really do. Um, uh, a show and tell without herbs, as you know, herbs yes. are my thing. So <laughs> yeah, this this rosemary hasn't got any flower on it at the moment, but it's a white flowered rosemary. Oh, very smart. So, so it's um, 
And of course, I'm so fed up that rosemary is now called salvia. Yeah, salvia yeah. rosemarinifolia. Yeah, alba just for its um its variety, but it is beautiful. It just has these little knots of of white flowers, and of course, the leaves have just got that absolutely crushable, yeah. lovable, touchable. Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Clearing> your nose. <laughs> I love rosemaries. I really do. And here I've got one that I got from a long time ago from a couple who were herb growers here, Caroline and John, um, who had a nursery called Suffolk Herbs. And oh, yes. that was in a village nearby called, or a part of, not really a village, it was a hamlet called Cornard here. And they had one called Sudbury Blue, which they had raised on their, um, you know, as a sport on their um, nursery. So I've got Sudbury Blue and it's a very, very lovely blue rosemary. I'll swap you a cutting. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You have that wonderful cascading rosemary. Is it foxtail? Yes, it is foxtail. You're absolutely right. But now I've heard, I'm going to ask Barbara this because she's an expert on herbs. (laughs) And I have heard, and I have seen somewhere in Cornwall, a manor house with a retaining wall um, either side of the path that leads to the front door. And on one side facing south, they had this rosemary and it just cascades completely straight down. Mm. Um, And somebody else mentioned it to me, a herb grower in the garden during the summer. Now, I don't know whether you know which variety of rosemary it would be that absolutely just just go straight down. I mean, is it a form of prostratus or something it's like that? A form of prostratus. Um, and I, there are lots of prostrate forms. Um, yeah. And I saw a similar thing in America. Um, I've got a photograph of myself next to this um, wall, which is just, you know, yeah. covered in um, rosemary just trailing down. Uh, it's absolutely beautiful. So go for it. Um, yeah, I'm going to. I'm trying to think. Jekka uh, McVicker has got um, a lovely prostrate one. Um, I can't remember its name. Did you know she was the first woman to play at Glastonbury? I didn't. I did, yes. I remember. Yeah. Isn't that <laughs> fascinating? In a band who yes. was a very strange name. I can't remember the band's name. I don't think I ever knew what it was called. <laughs> I think I've seen it written somewhere. <laughs> Yes, no, um, that's uh, definitely one to try. <laughs> I would like to explore herbs. I don't want all of them because many of them, I mean, my my herbs would be mainly culinary, I have to say. Yes. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily want the medicinal things. Um, but, I mean, the, the problem with the first, first herb gardens, uh, they need managing. Mm. Um, otherwise, they can look very scrappy, I find. Um, and I don't know. I remember, remember seeing two wonderful big obelisks of the golden hop mm-hmm. and i think it was um oh it's bess of hardwick's house yes in, yeah can't remember the name of that now but anyway it doesn't matter um <laughs> but they were just sort of kind of going over and they, they kind of looked a bit scrappy and you know all the various herbs had gone to seed and things so my herb garden has to be a kind of herb garden but with i think probably i put lots of salvias in it in actual fact but as yeah. well as that, you need some leaf structure, don't you? Some nice big leaves and some spiky bits and sharp bits and thorny yeah. bits. And <laughs> you want, and you also want to have the evergreens because you want that. Yes, so yes. The bay and um, rosemary for that as well. I'll tell you one thing I have got, and this is inspired by um, a plant that grows near your mum's house, Thordis, <laughs> because um, 
I used to drive in and out of Norwich and, and you know, you'd be in the middle of winter, you'd look up and there'd be this wonderful golden tree. And I thought, what on earth is that? And it turned out to be a golden bay. And oh, golden yeah. bay, they, they, they gold up, if you like, in the winter. And they do look yeah. absolutely stunning. Yes. I, so I bought one and mine wouldn't gold up. It just wouldn't. It refused to completely until it got to maybe nine or ten feet tall, and then with its head was up there, it did it. Absolutely, um, but I, it's a I, lovely I, winter plant. It is. I had one in the old garden, and it did exactly that. It just was sort of you know feeble and green below, and then yes. suddenly there'd be this whoosh of colour. Yeah. Um, so I've got one in a pot in the garden um, now, and. It, it you know it will be some time before it um holds <laughs> up, but yes, I I didn't want to be without it, so I yeah. you know, I've got it that way. Yeah. I think but, I need to reinvigorate um what is actually a childhood love of herbs. My mum had a herb book when I was little, and I always say I got into gardening in my twenties. But the more I think back to my childhood, where my mum was taking hebe cuttings and fuchsia cuttings, and um and had like a few gardening books, lots of the Hessian gardening yes, and yes. things, but I was absolutely obsessed with her herb book and it was it was you just saying about you didn't want the medicinal ones I the idea that you could eat all these things like nasturtiums and that various mm. things had medicinal qualities I just couldn't get enough of it and I I don't know I've put that in some sort of childhood box in my brain and I think it needs to come back out oh, at some point. Come <laughs> up, yes no it's fascinating when you start using them and I agree with you Alan about the the sort of structural um element that they're not you know, I don't want to have a garden in this small garden. I can't have a box parterre and have yeah. herbs within that. So my herbs are all integrated in the garden. So I don't really notice their winter disappearance, as it were, because yeah. um, they've got other things around them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm sort of happy about that. But then I've got a lot of tender people or um, ones that I don't think are going to survive so well outside which I've got in the greenhouse and one of those is this wonderful creature which is um chervil oh, yeah. which is just my favorite um well one of my favorites I, I, they're all my favorites um, <laughs> um it's got aniseed flavor to the leaves and chopped up in omelets and uh, served with fish or anything like that it's really beautiful and the other one that's in the greenhouse at the moment and um coriander which i never used to like coriander um at I've, one you know this you've talked to various people and coriander does seem to be the herb that's most most like marmite really it you is. either like it or you hate it yeah yeah and they say that some people have got a sort of genetic yes um what's the word n dislike of it you know yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and just feel absolutely ill and that it's soapy in the mouth and all of that but I don't, I don't think I, I think I just had not had proper experience of it when I was yeah. younger and then suddenly you know it's my favorite yeah, <laughs> I love it oh yeah. a nice coriandry guacamole oh yes <laughs> definitely Anything I can like eat that, that right now <laughs> well, I think it's a bit. Um... <laughs> we got ten minutes. <laughs> well, I'm going to sh just show you the last little herb that I've got. I've got two other plants, but um, the herb. This is the same plant. I don't know how if you can see. Oh. Yep. So this is a basil, and it's a perennial basil called Basilicum oximum African blue. 
And you can see why it's called that because it's got these wonderful blue, purpley blue veins. This is a cutting that has rooted. I just root them in water. Um, and the, the plant that I showed you, it's come in from the greenhouse. And I think I'll keep this one indoors because the greenhouse, although it's slightly heated, it's just takes the frost off it. Um, it yeah. doesn't look incredibly happy, but it's, it is a perennial. Um, and so if I can keep it going over the winter, which I do most years, I've then got basil all, all through the winter and um, into the springtime before I start sowing the new annual basils. But the annual basil, I mean, even in our it, last summer, it was fabulous here. Yeah. Um, but it, unless you get a really lovely summer, it doesn't like the English climate very much, does it? No. I mean, it, it just needs that heat. And yeah. of course, it often gets overwatered. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm. But I, I did grow a lot outdoors this year because it was such a wonderful hot yeah. summer. I remember doing a program, about, a television program about courtyard gardens in Spain. Mm. Courtyard gardens in Spain had two things in well, three things in common. One was old-fashioned pelagoniums or geraniums, as my yes. grandmother used to call them, in, and they were grown in sort of empty soup tins and things like that. Absolutely, the labels, of course. Um, <laughs> they had a pot of basil, and there was always a bowl of water or a little water playing somewhere. Mm. Those three things were just a theme that ran through them. Through them. But the basil, you know, you could just touch the basil, and this the warm air, the scent is ah. That's the thing about herbs, it you know, that they will have and do have many of them wonderful medicinal qualities, but it's that quality of just uh, aroma, really, that yes. your senses. Um, like walking on pennyroyal on a uh, on a path or something, because that yes. lovely sort of minty tang. tang. Yes. Wouldn't it be nice to sort of do that, what you've just done about the three elements, sort of go into any garden and sort of see what its three unique selling points were. There's a book for you, Barbara. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say in your No, three is my lucky number. There's the title. (laughs) In your garden, we wouldn't be able to do that. (laughs) 333 more like. (laughs) The great thing about, um, I mean, you're saying about things having to be beautiful and useful. I mean, herbs, great for putting into arrangements as well. Um, Not necessarily all of them, but lots of them. And they're Bridget Girling, who's featured on this podcast before, uh, a good friend of mine, amazing flower, floral (laughs) artist, really. Um, She was telling me earlier this year, she uses a lot of purple basil. And it cuts really well and it goes really nicely into arrangements, I think, in flower predominantly. Mm. So that was something she'd yes. been using. The other thing is I was just if anyone saw me looking down, I was looking at my phone because um, rooting in water is something we talked about from uh, with my. Are we boring you, darling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just just down here on Insta, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to find who'd written a comment on on this video. Mike Clifford of Mike's Rare Plants um, mm. appeared. I think it was possibly episode 93 or something like that. And he was talking about how quite often now he roots into a mixture of perlite and sphagnum moss um, Mm. to kind of save space, but have more success. And Julie had commented that she does root quite a lot of things in water, but she pots them up into her medium of choice just when the root nubs appear rather than letting them get a great big mass of roots, which I suppose is the temptation. And I just wanted to share that in case case it worked for other people uh, because Julie very kindly took the time to write the comment on our our 
video. Yeah. And it's certainly something I'm going to try. I can't remember in the past whether or not I've seen any particular different level of success from hardly any route to lots of route, but I'm certainly going to pay more attention going forward. I think Mike's tip was in actual fact to use a plastic clear cup and you pierce the edges and you fill it full of sphagnum moss and then you, you know, wrap that around your stem yeah. that you wanted to root. Mm. Um, and then you planted the root and the sphagnum moss yeah. in soil. So the transference from um, a rooting medium to soil is not, I mean, water just dissipates, mm. goes, drains away, leaving these fragile roots. And they've, they've got to start again, really. Yes, I guess so. I, I thought that was a good wheeze, actually. Yeah. Do but for those, for those things which do root very easily in water, and so you kind of want to shove them all into, this is what I do in my tiny kitchen. So mm. I have a milk bottle with loads and loads of different things in it. <laughs> the things I know will successfully, you know, uh, transition into to soil quite easily. Um, but I will now be starting to transition them earlier. So Yes, well, I, I'm wondering, actually, if that might be the reason why some of my basil cuttings have failed. But mm. I think it's possibly because I did them too late uh, not cuttings. Um, I suppose they are cuttings, aren't they? The rooted cuttings. Um, I may have done them a bit too late so that when I put them into the greenhouse, it was a colder shock because I'd been in the house. Yeah. Um, and then they got out into that unfriendly <laughs> <laughs> environment out there. <laughs> well, I'm so, delighted you brought lots of herbs along. We would have been disappointed uh, if uh, if you hadn't demonstrated your love of the, the herbs or the people Yes, people in your garden. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so you can see that I'll be having an omelette for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we can feel like we were part of the harvesting oh, process. Yeah. We've that's right. You've got the guacamole, um, the coriander okay. guacamole, and I've got the, the omelette. What are you having, Alan? <laughs> um, I, I have no idea until I open the fridge and look. To be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> now you said you had a couple of other things secreting yeah. around your laptop. Yes, may I show you? Well, this is one that just gives so much joy. Um, and I oh, know yes. a very common plant, house plant that everybody has. But look at the flowering on that. I think that's fantastic. Isn't that amazing? And, and it's such a lovely colour too. Yes. I know. It starts off whitish. Yeah. And sort of, as it were, ripens to this pretty magenta pale pink mm. um, and I'm a very I say to people I'm not really an indoor house person an indoor house plant person and yet this thing has been with me I think for about 10 years <laughs> and I, I just water it and then I take the you know the dead flowers off but what I can't get over is that each of the leaves is budding you know right back on the stem it's just prolific have it's you had it long enough brain. you don't know its variety Oh, well, Schlumberger, uh, probably um, <laughs> garden centre-ish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know its variety. And there's no, I think it's garden centre-ish, <laughs> Yeah, probably. <laughs> but, um, or garden centre wonderful-ish, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> But uh, no, I'm thrilled with it. And I, I can, as I sit here, I can see where I can take a few <laughs> bent flowers off and do a little bit of tidying up. <laughs> you know, and and it just see it's it's been flowering. I think probably for about four weeks, mm. and no sign of stopping. So what a what a amazing sort I of thing. I think that's that. The, isn't that isn't that the kind of thing that we want though? This especially yeah. during the dark months of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't necessarily want to venture into the garden every day. You no. 
you know, we get out and we tend the greenhouse. I go to the potting shed and I'm still potting up bulbs. I've got some muscari this afternoon that I'm going to be potting oh, up. Wonderful. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're now called something else, I think. Again, it's a, this wretched botanist thing with name changes. <laughs> yes. It used to be mar- uh, um, paradoxum, but it's musc- it's not muscari now. It's gone into some Belvilia, I think. Oh, great. Ah. Yeah, I know. It's completely, it's just so confusing. Well, Why overtide the collection holders? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Richard Hobbs is going to have to get bigger labels. Yes, exactly. All those labels. That, uh. yeah. <laughs> and what, what about, I mean, the bane of my life is finding something that will stay on a label, you know, to what you write with will stay on a label because, yeah. uh, you know, you I do try to label things. And then, you know, within a year, there's no name on the plot on the label because it's washed off. Well, it is. It. I mean, I find a, a reasonably soft lead pencil works as as well as anything, really. Yeah. And I have I have now got a new. I can't remember the name of it, but a new um, permanent marker, which oh. so far has done very very well. Oh, but really? I suspect I suspect by the way that um, sometimes when I try and write on anything damp, it won't work. I think, oh, I don't know. This is going to be a failure. I think maybe I don't yeah. know. We'll see. Oh, well, if it if it succeeds, let me know. <laughs> well, there are those wonderful things you can get the little machines where you dial each letter and then stamp it. But I mean, that is such a bore. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it would work with you. <laughs> no. <laughs> so more and more people get the little machines and print the label out. But yeah, I can't really see Alan doing that in the potting shed. No. I'm not going to take no. on. <laughs> My last little person here, Alan. You will remember. But this oh, is yes. I have always had beautiful Mauna Loas from you. And the last one I had just sort of grew and grew and grew and had an amazingly long stem. And then it fell over one day. Yeah. And this is um a grown from I cut back the stem, and this is what's grown from that one stem. Oh, and that's it, marvelous. Isn't that wonderful? I'm so and she thrilled. has just erupted, has she not? Yes. Yes, the volcano that she's named after. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I shall I shall show her on the news if I can yeah. find. <laughs> Look, <laughs> a fabulous final piece of show and tell with an East Absolutely. Ruston connection. That's I'm wondering definitely- how it is that I've never walked away from Allen's with a Mona Lower. Actually, I clearly need to uh, to amend this. <laughs> oh, I've 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 often um. Sent, sent the money along with friends yeah. and very kindly <laughs> allowed them to take it away from me. <laughs> I'm surprised you ever got it. If I was that friend, I'd have given you the money and kept the plant. Yeah, kept the plant, yeah. Well, thank you. And now I know that. <laughs> yeah, never send me to get you plants. I probably actually, I just buy two. Then, I, then we've both got one. We're all right. <laughs> now, ever since you said that uh, that this small garden leaves you with a lot of flomo, I've been very excited about the flomo section of this podcast. So, for anyone who's tuning in for their first ever talking dirty, flomo is the way Alan and I live our lives. It's that sort of fear of missing out we get about a flower or a plant. Even mm. with 32 acres, Alan has this feeling. I have a tiny suburban garden, so I'm with you, Barbara. Yeah. And sometimes it's not just specific plants, so there are plenty of those. Going through your book, um, just in case anyone's forgotten we were talking about that, Secret <laughs> Gardens of the Southeast, available from all the bookshops. <laughs> <Lovely>. <laughs> um, but it was um, 
Was it Boyton Court in Maidstone? They have this huge drift of pulsatillas. Now, mm. I love a pulsatilla, and I have, I've not until this year, I've not planted one in the garden, and it might have been um, a trip to a garden. I wanted to buy something to, to remember it. I think it might have been Marjorie Fisher's garden. So I just bought a pulsatilla because I thought, well, there we go. There's something I really want. So I've got one, and I have no idea whether it's going to have survived or not. <laughs> but this drift of seed heads it wasn't even the flowers it wasn't the little bells no, it was just head. like some sort of fluffy creature hunkered down on the ground yes <laughs> a lovely way of describing it <laughs> <laughs> i just thought i need i need a drift of pulsatillas yeah. probably not in this garden if we're honest unless this seeds very very enthusiastically in the front very small front garden yes. but that was the plant but more just the use of it that idea of of a drift yeah. you don't yeah. see pulsatillas on mass very often no, uh, I can't do drifts here, unfortunately. No. <laughs> Alan, you can. <laughs> yes, I can. And actually, it's just given me an idea because we've been, <clears throat> we've we've moved. Well, I refer to it as a compost heap, but over the years, it's just become a very, very large heap of soil. And mm. we used to refer to it as the Matterhorn because it got ever more difficult to get up the thing. <laughs> um, and so we bit the bullet, and we've had it moved, and we've um, um, enlarged the desert wash, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bum, bum, bund that we've made, the heap of soil that we've made on the south side of it, I want to take away from the desert plants. More, yeah. more. Well, it could be, it could be almost be alpineish in a way. Yes. But that is a place that I could do, and I would have a feeling that I would have to do that. I don't know the name of it, but there's a red pulsatilla. Yeah, quite a dark red one, and there's a white one, and I think the two would look wonderful together. Yes. Don't say blood and bandages, please. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> you know, I actually saw, and it might need more moisture than it would get in your garden, but um, there's a fantastic, talking of alpine plants, there's a fantastic Instagram account, Bulbamads, who I think is based in South Africa and posts the most amazing South African flora. And it was a Tulbagia called Montana, mm-hmm. I think which had, it was almost like, it wasn't um, your standard uh, Tolbargia at all. It it was like tiny little daffodils, like white outer petals with a tiny little orange corona almost. And I think they'd had some difficulty with it not getting enough moisture and they were worried they'd lost it and they they hadn't. But it's, um, I couldn't believe it was just such a beautiful, delicate little flower. And you said alpines and then I immediately got excited because I can't have it. I have nowhere that I, I can put this. No, no, no. <laughs> I I come back from places and I you know that and there's inevitably there are plants in the boot, and I think well, where am I going to put this? <laughs> <laughs> but you know the thought of saying no doesn't occur to me. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, and I end up with you don't want things in a holding pen for too long. But this summer was a disaster because I couldn't plant things; it was too dry. So I've yeah. still basically got a holding pen like down the side of my house. Oh yes, no, I've had that, but it's this year everything is planted, which is wonderful. But my main um, the thing that I sort of feel is a I have got a lot of trees in the garden I've got the malice and I've got a an upright growing um liquid amber which is really beautiful from Simpsons in Cambridgeshire lovely um and it, this year it's put on its color beautifully 
So there are little trees in the garden, but of course, as you said earlier, I've got to think about how they're going to be. Um, so the upright and the little spreader at the back. But the one that I really, really would love to have is a parotia because mm. of its wonderful autumn colour and the kind of bark um, and the little flowers. Which, tiny red flowers, yeah. Yes, tiny flowers. And, you know, I know that that's going to need so much space to be wonderful. <laughs> I love parotias. Yeah. So I just think I have to go to somewhere, you know, an arboretum and see them <laughs> rather than have one in my garden. <laughs> well, you could you could take the kind of philosophical attitude that Fergus Garrett has taken to the exotic garden at Dixter, where he's included some various conifers, and one of them is the weeping blue cedar. Um, mm. um, I think, no, it's not. It's, anyway, it's a, it's a weeping blue conifer. Yeah. And his attitude is that when they get too big, he will remove them. Yes. He didn't say what he'd do with them, but I mean. You know. <laughs> he has got the space for it to go elsewhere. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> um, but I did think, you know, I did think natural fact, you pay 50 quid for a plant, shall we say, and you obviously don't want to lose it. But if you have it for 10 years, that's five quid a year. That's true. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's, that's very reasonably priced, you could say. Yes. Yeah. Was I feel like it was a long time ago on this podcast. I've been looking through a magazine, and I, I think there was a smart garden in a sort of Gardens Illustrated type magazine that them. Um, I'm sure they topiarized a parotia, and wow. they sort of somehow contained it into some little fat. They weren't quite balls; they were maybe more like tires, really. But then it got all that fabulous <laughs> balls, tires, a tier of tires. <laughs> Oh, I, th I think it was a parotia, and I, I mean, I have no idea. I, I'm not a topiary person. I'd love to be, but I've not yet delved into that at all. So I don't know how you do it, but maybe you can really curtail it. And curtail it, yes. Honey, I shrunk the parotia. <laughs> <laughs> and if you work out how to do it, tell me, because I want one. <laughs> well, I let you into a secret. When we first had the garden here, which was about two acres, we did plant a parotia. And, mm. of course, it did grow too big, and we had to take it out. But the moment we bought extra land, that was one of the trees that we wanted to grow. And we have got, now got parotias on the East Park, and they are, I mean, they just look stunning in the winter. Sure. But you do need that lovely setting. I mean, there's some wonderful ones at Sheffield Park, I think it is, isn't it? Yes. It's at this time of year, you know, or just a little bit prior to this, when they're at their best, aren't they? Mm. Just so beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic, but you do need space for them, I'm afraid, as you do as you do lots of trees, including your liquid amber. I mean, that was a very clever idea to get a fastidiate form. Yeah, um, is and, that a you know, slender people... silhouette? Well, I think I think the other thing is it's it's worth mentioning the fact that if you do have a small garden and you want to grow a tree, lots and lots of trees do have fastidiate forms. That's I mean, right. Some are better than others, but I mean, I would never, for instance, I would never. Uh, use the fastidiate form of, of that flowering cherry because it just bits fall out of it and it looks yeah. a mess. No, um, but, but lots of them are well worth growing. So you can have three or three. Did you like yes. that? Yes, I, I, yes. Have we have we had one or two martinis too many? <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink martini, no. <laughs> this podcast always has this effect. <laughs> you end up giddy on plant joy or something. Definitely. <laughs> fine, a fine flow, Barbara. Though I'm, I'm impressed by that. Um, Alan, where are you? 
where are you at with your flomo this week well i'm obviously going to, my flomo is going to be um getting in touch with jackie mcvicker from um her herb nursery to see if i can find the rosemary that hangs like vertical cat's tails um <laughs> because that is something that i really would like to, to do um and i wrote down actually herb pennyroyal because i don't have it and right. i suddenly thought well and you you know, you start to get a kind of a picture emerging. I don't know where this is going to go, <laughs> but you get a picture emerging in your in your mind. There could be a few old copper coppers um, yes. and various other sort of like galvanised tubs or something like that, which you could actually, where you could make a herb garden. And I think it would be rather lovely to do that. Um, and then all you need is a seat in the middle of it so that you can sit down. The moment you sit down, you'll say, oh, there's a weed over there. I must get up and pull that out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always nice to have the thought that you might sit down. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just just think about it. Don't actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just Googling the prostrate rosemaries, um, and I think they just now call them a group with lots of um, different ones clumped together. But um, there is one that I think begins with a B, like Beaulieu, something like that which Jekka had at one time. And then there's one that they call prostratus, which that seems to be very unimaginative to call it. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, some people are. <laughs> well, I always like the idea off the back of one of these podcasts that we might go to East Ruston and see the, what we, the idea that we've seen form in Alan's head actually come to fruition for <laughs> our very eyes when we're actually there walking around the uh, the acres of East Ruston. So fingers oh. crossed, it comes to real life. You just need to find the rosemary. That's right. And you know, you t talked earlier about secret gardens and I have a friend who hasn't yet been to East Ruston. So East Ruston is still secret to them. Oh. Yes, I know. Do you know, I did a, uh, well, uh, I did a, a, um, a podcast edition of BBC Gar uh, Radio 4 Gardeners Question Time um, that went out last week. And we I actually had an email, believe it or not, from California. Um, and the email came from a chap in California who is hosting a lady who lives in Reefham in Norfolk <laughs> and who had never been to East Ruston before. <laughs> so, you see, we are still a little bit off the radar. Exactly. <laughs> That's what ha happens when you're nearly in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. That cold old North Sea. <laughs> Mind Ooh. you, it's well worth the pilgrimage. At least when people get to you, they know it was well worth the traipse. Across well, the further I remember the day that Val Bourne came a couple of years ago. She came in August and she said, this must be the coldest August day I've ever lived through. And it was. It was a bitterly cold August day. I don't know why, but it was. Uh, do you know, Barbara, This I knew this was going to be fun. I knew we were going to have a wonderful time. Um, but it's been absolutely lovely. What a fabulous way to spend an hour. Will you please come back when your garden is less frozen? Oh, please, if you'll have me. I'd love to. <laughs> Undoubtedly, with some other fabulous book to talk about as well, because you are always very industrious at penning these lovely horticultural tomes. So, um... well, there's a blank mind at the moment. So, <laughs> I haven't got any ideas except three is my lucky number. Yeah. <laughs> well, a bit, a bit like seeing Alan's ideas come to fruition at East Ruston. When we see that on the bookshelves, we'll know it all started. Oh. <laughs> You'll be in um... the acknowledgements. <laughs> 
I look forward to it. Until we meet again on Talking Dirty, thank you very much for coming along and inspiring us. Everyone needs to go and get the secret gardens of the South East. Alan's going to hold his copy up as well. Well, you know, I'll reach my copy. Dare I, dare I say, it, it's never too late to buy your loved one a present. Exactly. And this is absolutely ideal. And if it go, woo, I managed to get there. <laughs> <laughs> and if uh, if you got given some vouchers for, uh, for yes. Christmas and you don't know what to spend them on, there we go. That's a good thing, <laughs> yes. And the thing is, even if you know, even if it is after Christmas, it's start of the garden visiting spring yeah. early. Absolutely, so, um, the spring urge. I love it. <laughs> Get the secret gardens of the southeast and plan your holiday route. You won't be using too many air miles or anything like that, so you're going to be. <laughs> doing good and if you if, if you can cycle when you get there it's even better exactly. <laughs> and you'll get fit <laughs> uh, until next time barbara thank you so much and happy gardening thank you happy gardening everybody <laughs> hey Fordis here just to say thank you so much for listening to talking dirty you are now officially our favorite person If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time. (laughs) 